Hi, and welcome to Telepathic TV. This is television as you watch with your third eye, and I'm R. Neville Johnston. And I'm Mary Phelan, and our program is about raising our consciousness. And the subject of tonight's show is releasing the critical mind. And? Very good topic, by the way. I find nothing the matter with that. That's a good thing. Okay. Quit. Be Don't be critical about it. That being done, we just want to mention the Mayan. Uh, today is the beginning of a wave spell. It is, in fact, the wave spell of the wizard. Ix. Ix. The jaguar and priest. Yes. The priestesses. Mm-hmm. It's a day to walk through that magnetic gate of your spiritual decisions. And begins a 13-day period in which uh, information, which is what the wizard is all about, information, uh, will be interesting games, will be very stimulating. Mm -hmm. in the next few days. This is true. And there we are. Okay, well, we've well, got the Mayan. We've done this for so many yeah. years. Yes, as a matter of fact, um, we've been talking Mayan on the show for a long, long time. Uh-huh. Uh, probably it's over 10 years. Since um, it was called Aztec. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah. I thought we're, we're pretty old then. Mm -hmm. Well, releasing the critical mind, it's such an important topic because the critical mind really is the thing that stands between you and peace peaceful moments, peacefully well living within the moment. Yeah, yeah. And the critical mind is present all the time. Even when you are focusing on the goal or the idea of releasing the critical mind and then you criticize yourself about something, you start getting critical with yourself for being critical. And, and therein lies the snare. And, and we are all so critical of ourselves that what happens is we try or we make moves to escape from it and end up throwing that criticism on those around us. Well, I, I have the firm policy of letting me go on it. Even Now, this is a very interesting, um, being a human being is a very interesting position. The first premise is that as soon as we are critical of someone else, uh, judgmental of someone else, then we ourselves are judgmental. However, uh, we can call someone from a far more advanced place than ourselves to guide us, and then if they're judgmental of us, we can see how silly the whole thing about being judgmental is. The uh, point about judgment is that it's going to be taken care of. You really don't have to do anything about it. It's remembering that in the heat of the moment. Uh, that we wish to address. So there are a lot of um, methods by which you can know whether it's not, whether or not it's something to stand up to, uh, to know whether or not. So say someone cuts in front of the line in the supermarket, and you say, you may not do that. And then you'll beat yourself up for having done something that was very appropriate all human beings deserve their feedback, and the person cutting in front of you had been skating on their feedback for a long time, or they would have not done that. So standing up to them and saying that was a very good thing to do. It was not judgmental. There is opinion and there is judgment, and judgment is what we wish to release. However, we will have our opinions, because that is our nature. So to make well, it opinion instead of judgment without playing it as a game to get away with it. Well, really, judgment is saying you have to do my opinion. You have to follow my set of rules 
and my, my edicts here in order to be acceptable. Something else too, just the word judgmental, the word mental and judge, when you judge something, it's all in the mental realm and it separates you from the emotional and the visceral experience of something. And mm -hmm. a lot of times I can tell with people, they get very judgmental as a technique to get back in their mind and out of the experience because a lot of times people find it very fearful to let go and be in the moment because it feels like they're being rendered vulnerable, being weak, vulnerable in the moment when really we are so strong, we are strong enough to be vulnerable. And when you are no longer afraid of vulnerability, your true strength starts emerging. Being kind with this power uh, of ourselves is so important. What I find when people feel powerless, they attempt to get their power by being critical. Now, now with the internet where everybody can write reviews on everything and critique every movie and comments underneath everything, people are finding an outlet for this dysfunctional feeling of powerlessness so they, they can criticize everyone else like they're an expert sitting in this judgment seat. And it's a way to feel powerful. And it's, I mean, that doesn't really get you anywhere. Well, I would like to, um, uh, in addressing this, you know, to redress this idea of our judgmentalness. And you're right, it is all based on powerlessness. Mm -hmm. And the word for powerlessness is actually paranoia. In other words, if you are talking about someone who is paranoid, you are telling me about someone who feels very powerless. So let us do a little bit of how we don't have to attract things to be so judgmental about. And that would, and this is the, the whole thing works on magnetics and electrons, but magnetics for the moment. So we would attract, as soon as we're angry, we're going to attract that. Things to be angry about, other angry people, we become an anger magnet. As soon as we're angry, it's the way it works. You know, it, it cascades in front of us. Uh, some, uh, you know, the glass of water falls over, you bang your head reaching for the glass, and it just goes on and on and on and eventually someone has to come and sleep dart you and you, you know, wake up on a desert island. But prior to all that, the idea of overcoming this, because it is done with magnetics, uh, is to understand what I'm calling the um, Teflon Trinity. And this is a very easy Socratic proof. We came here to evolve, true or false, yes, we came here to evolve. We evolve by having experiences, yes, we have experiences in order to evolve. I'm doing both halves of the Socratic I just had an image of uh, going around Socrates with and sleep darts and just yeah, using them waiting for wantonly, like going into really bad comics. <laughs> they start saying, like the third bad joke, you just <laughs> they drop down. <laughs> there you go, the perfect example. Your yes. boss, when they really start irritating you, just take your sleep dart. Just go to sleepdarts.com. <laughs> order yourself a bunch and, and get a lot for yourself because you'll be requiring them. Okay, now. Instead of criticizing yourself, you just shoot yourself <laughs> with a sleep dart. <laughs> Much easier. Okay. So to explain the Teflon Trinity, so we have come here to have experiences in order to evolve. And therefore, there are no bad experiences because they assist us to evolve. And therefore, there are no good experiences because they assist us to evolve. Therefore, there are just experiences. And uh, the way it's spelled in English, it's just ice. <laughs> or justice, 
You just can't. I'm hey, sorry. Go ahead. Let's just tell jokes for the rest of the <laughs> No, time. I'm just hey, laughing at that other. That's a good joke. But Call you know the insurance we'll salesman or, or, or you're in on the air. church and it's going on and on and you just, you yeah. know, it doesn't hurt it's them. It's a way it's of like life. living in a oh, cartoon. Oh, no, it hurts. <laughs> You've had it's it done? A, no, you, you <laughs> aim for something that hurts. Oh, oh, you aim for their rear end. That's what they do on TV. Is that? Okay. No, okay. but but you're you're right. I mean, this stuff is very valid, but also the criticalness. What you're criticizing is in the eye of the beholder. Everything contains everything. It contains this beauty, and it contains an ugliness, and everything in between. And it's never about the thing. It's about what we choose to see within it. The beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and what that means is, the more beauty you allow yourself to see that you let into your consciousness, the more beauty you're going to see. And um, remember the past life that I went into one time you were leading a group and yeah, I went yeah. in, the lady the from, from Cornwall. Cornwall yeah. And she just, when I entered into that life, I realized she just said, oh, um, thank you, that's exactly what I asked for. That's just what I asked for, to everything that came into her life. And it was just a beautiful well, that's perspective. that's true for all of us mm -hmm. all the time. There's nothing that happened in your life that wasn't your idea. We have... Um, said that so many times, the day comes that you recognize that everything that happened in your life was your idea, and that's the day that you realize you have free will. Prior to that, you're in the world of excuses, yeah. once you recognize you have free will. Now, beyond the Teflon Trinity, since that, that's... It's your it's choice. It's in the book. It's in the book. It's your choice. You can bring it up again. Oh, well, of course, and I'm making it. Okay, so the next step beyond that is the recognition that if something is very upsetting to us, in other words, we're being judgmental about that because no matter what it is, it's on our side, and we have a caller. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Is Evan calling? Evan, hey, how you doing? Okay. What can we do for you? I just kind of off topic a little bit. It's all I right with to me. Ask about procrastination. Okay. We'll tell you about that later. And uh, kind of, I have a problem with it, and uh, I think they kind of uh, fear procrastination kind of go hand in hand. Very well observed, yeah. And I, I think if you could just maybe elaborate a little bit, and I'll just take it off the air. Thank you. Sure. Great sure. question, Evan. Good to hear your voice as well. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. The original Language Codes book had three pages on procrastination. Uh, just because it become, we're, we're raised to be procrastinators. We human beings seek joy, and then we, as a small child, are introduced to the idea of homework. So the first time that you get an over-the-weekend homework assignment, you become a procrastinator, because you don't do it Friday, you just got out of school, and you don't do it Saturday, because, come on, it's Saturday, and then you don't do it Sunday, because it's Sunday, and then Sunday night, you feel really guilty about it, and tell your parents, and then they stay up all night doing your homework so that the following Monday you can, uh, by the following Monday you're a procrastinator and it, it is this wavelength. The way to defeat being a procrastinator is to actually do it. Oh my God, you're kidding. No, you actually do it. Then once you get ahead of that tidal wave of procrastination, it's linked to the idea of thought efficiency quotient. In other words, if I want to pick this up, whoop, okay, I just did it. But if I want to pick that up, and I don't pick it up, then I have to subtract the amount of time to observe it and make the decision to pick it up. Now I've done it twice. 
not picked it up but thought and talked about it. So I'm down all of that stuff, and the book still hasn't moved three times now. So my thought efficiency quotient is divided by three, because I thought about doing it three times and did it zero times. Oh, pardon me, that makes four. And you can see how that gets into this tumble down. So if you want to put off procrastinating, just do it. Very male energy, as far as I understand the phrase, just do it. But you just do it. Then once you don't have this tsunami of things to do, which is the tsunami in and of itself is taking up so much brain space, all of the things that I have to do, I've made lists and then I've, I've, I've thrown out all the lists and then I've made new lists. And the first thing on the new list item, throw out the old list, build a new list. And it goes on and on, but nothing gets done. You spin, and that's procrastination. And it all started with that first homework assignment that you put off. Well, that's really good. And I'll, uh, I just wanted to comment something that occurred to me as you mm-hmm. were doing that idea of the thought um, efficiency quotient or, yeah. or whatever. I agree with that. I've, I've noticed that my whole life and that I, it's such a drain to have something going on in the back of your mind, either take care of it, take it out, or do something. Yeah. But what I realize, and this has to do with procrastination as well, is once we invented time, time separates you from the infinite. All of a sudden, I will do that tomorrow. This will exist tomorrow. The infinite now got segregated from this infinity or this abundance and this lack of the moment. Instead of, without time, it's all in one place. All time is is an invisible barrier that separates you from the infinite now. And you cannot procrastinate unless you have that delusion or illusion of a time separating you. Yeah. So if you remove that, perhaps the procrastination, Evan, is coming in your particular life right now or, or in your experience because you are to look at this concept of time and how it separated you from your flow of, of forever and, and always and and everything. Another thing about procrastination is often we are forcing ourselves to do something outside of its natural moment to do it. You've got to get this started right now and we can't, we procrastinate and then we say, you know what, the only way I can get myself to do something is if it's in the moment of an emergency or if it's due right now. Well, listen to that. That's when you have to have it is when it's due right now. A lot of our procrastination is a belief about having when we have to get things done, but we naturally flow when it's due. So I had a decision to make one time about changing jobs, and I had to start over in a new career, and it was a big decision for me, and I fretted over it all weekend, going, oh, I can't call, I can't. And then when she calls to say, are you taking this new job, I said yes. And it was in that moment that I made the, the decision. It wasn't all that fretting that I did. So remove your concept of time. You'll see that you're not procrastinating, and maybe you're attempting to get you to live in the natural flow of things. Speaking of the subject of time, I recently read Robinson Crusoe. Mm. And there is a particular reason that the classics are the classics. And that reason is... And I've been reading classics because I found a you know a web page full of free classic books, so I've just been going over them. Mm-hmm. And there isn't one that hasn't profoundly changed the way in which I think as a result. Now, Robinson Crusoe spent 28 years in the book, not the movie, marooned. It was two hours in the movie. 
uh, marooned on an um, island that was half desert and half lush jungle. And it took him uh, maybe a year to figure out that it wasn't a desert island, that it had all this stuff on it. But 28 years. And so he decides he's going to build a canoe to get off the island. And it takes him a year to chop down the tree to, and then another great length of time to make the tree into a boat and then yet another still great length of time to dig a trench to get it and he had to wait for the rainy season to mm -hmm. flood to get the boat into the water. And so when, when you're reading this, you look into the mind of Robinson Crusoe who's now got a goat hat, not a living goat, uh, goat hat to shield him from the sun and he's gone totally native and he's fairly calm. He's like totally bliss all the time. So when he's cutting down this tree, he gets up, he milks his goats, he has breakfast, he walks to where the tree is, he chops till he gets tired, he goes home, he has lunch, he comes back, he chops some more, he goes home for the evening to relax, write in his journal. And the entire, there was just no stress involved in it. Whereas if a modern mind went, oh my God, I got out of this island, I'm going to chop this tree, this tree isn't going to, I'll burn the tree, I'll just push it, I'll get a goat, I'll hook goats to it. And you just run around completely nuts. And he just, he just acclimated to what it was. It wasn't a project. It wasn't the way we think at all. It was amazing. Well, you know, it, it, that's such a good story, too. And yeah. we don't have to wait until that, that infinite time is thrust upon us to do that. We can be in the moment. Yeah. So much of life really does take care of itself, and we don't have to. Most when I, of it. Oh, there was this one job I had where every day there was a meeting with a whole rejiggering everything. Okay, now we're going to do this. And, oh, and I, I really sought to keep up with that for a long time to the detriment of my own physical health and staying up all night, rewriting, redoing everything over and over. And then one day I realized that none of these things, or very few things, usually none, of these ideas that my bosses were coming up with ever really made it to fruition. And it didn't make sense for me to get ahead of the game and start pulling that in and working on it. And so what I did was, yeah, that's a good idea. And then I just waited until the real action met up with the moment, and then I did it. And everybody was much happier because I wasn't complaining to my bosses that I was overworked or any of this. So many things in our lives are just smoke and mirrors that we can let go of. And the critical mind, it's so important not to always, it's like we're all on edge just waiting to prove that everything in our life is victimizing us. It's important to know that everybody is doing the best they can at any given moment. No matter how horrible that may appear to us, in their world, in their life, they're doing the best they can. That's not an excuse. You don't have to let them harm you. But just to understand that and then to give them more information. Yes, I was just... Um being upset about the idea that the universe will one day collapse upon itself. I really want to get ahead of that so that I can, yeah, this, this is a very profound We can send principle. a UN force in there and try and get down there into FEMA. the center of the FEMA. universe. No, FEMA is my idea for after it happens. But before it happens, we have to get a UN force in there to go and, and uh, overtake them, strong arm the universe into not collapsing. I'm certain that we will work. We can put sanctions on the universe. Yeah, yeah. So this idea of um, 
saying that something is a good idea removes it from time and flings it to uh, a place it'll never come back from. Yeah, it put it right in, in the, the language room. codes book, the yeah, idea of good idea. Yeah, yes. I had shared that a long time ago when I worked yeah, for my boss. There's on a list book. of disconnects in that that are, is in the language code book mm-hmm. that has um, quite a bit of power to it if you disconnect people from things without them knowing it. I just was reading a little bit about NLP, and it's... Um, mm-hmm. Go ahead. I d- oh, why oh. are you saying go ahead? I, just, I thought you had something to I say don't, there. I don't have anything to say about NLP. I was listening to what yeah, you were saying. Yeah, it, it's the same. The language codes is advanced version of it. I was surprised by it. Is, oh, never mind. Well, the review right. on your first book yeah, was says language codes picks up where NLP leaves off. Correct. That was the review yeah. in your original book. Yeah. So I'm just saying there's um, a list of disconnects one might be interested in I if one lives in an urban environment. I think language codes is something good for people to know no matter what you do. If you're mm-hmm. a salesman, if you even talk to other human beings, it's really a good idea and I don't mean that as a disconnect. I mean it is a good idea to do that. Yeah. The words you use. We were we were talking before the show uh, about I'll give you a call. Like you're mm-hmm. out on a date and a guy says I'll give you a call. And I was saying that's language codes for let me out of here. <laughs> I'm not going to call you, but just let me out of this conversation. Mm-hmm. Be- and, and when you start recognizing, like, I'll try to be there, like we mentioned before and you've commented. I don't know if you wrote that in your book or not. But it, it's, it's really funny. In the original book, yeah. Uh, we have our, our caller. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hi, this is Debbie. Debbie, what can we do for you? Well, I'm kind of second-guessing myself about my daughter. She's seven years old, second grade. Uh-huh. And she has in-school suspension. Has what? Because of her behavior at school. Oh, okay. What's so that? In school. In school yeah. suspension. She has to sit in the office all day to do her work and stuff tomorrow. She can't go in the classroom. Wow. Now, okay. well, go ahead, I just then. would like a little more information. Now, are, right. are you looking to, like, um, advice on helping her or understanding that? or, or Well, trying to understand her behavior. I'm second-guessing myself like you were just talking about. My, my mind's just, like, taking over that I'm being a bad mother. Yep. yep. That I can't control her. Yeah. I'm just kind of, like, in between what do I do next? Yeah. Um, first of all, I'd like to say if, if it works out and we can have a conversation off air, I do have some ideas about that because I have worked with children before and, and um, I do have some ideas. Okay. okay, why don't you go ahead and then yeah, I'll finish. I, um, okay. The, well, first we would ask, Debbie, how are you with your parents? Okay. Oh, I had a great relationship with my parents. Oh, good. Excellent. All right. Now, the modern world, uh, we... We'll do very well when we bring up a generation of children that recognize that their own attention is valuable. The generation we're landing at the moment uh, seems to feel that anyone else's attention is a good thing. It doesn't matter if it's good attention or negative attention, just attention. So the children are steadily acting out and acting out to get more and more attention because the child lives in an attention deficit world. Uh, In other words, no matter how many toys you buy, they get bored uh, because they have yet to be taught to value your own attention. We follow this so far? Yes, sir. Okay, so the thing to do with your child is to first recognize that she is doing this to get attention. Therefore, she feels she's not getting enough attention. 
Now that particular equation is virtually mathematical. In other words, there is no possibility of that child getting enough of other people's attention because she doesn't have any value for her own attention. So she, um, any of us, there is so many adults that are like this, just constantly does things to get attention. And, and so that is actually well, the motivation for uh, guilt, for um, all of the negative things we see in society, immorality, whatever that is, certainly illegality, um, is just to get attention. That's it, well, when the person doesn't recognize their own attention's value. That's a very, very good point. But yeah. I, I would li also like to point out yes. that right now there is so much stimulation for kids that they are evolving even in the short time span of so many generations, to have modified their brain function. Um, I feel, and, and a lot of scientific um, study is going along in the same direction, and I know it will be proven one day to the um, satisfaction of all the scientific community, but that the brain is evolving to, because of all the stimulus we have. We can't even watch TV without things scrolling down here and going up the side. And there's so much pressure on kids in school to do this and this and this that w they get to the place where they're shutting out pertinent information uh, because their brain has to shut down. It's too much information. And what happens then when you have that kind of uh, formula going on in your brain, there are certain brain chemistries that make us feel at peace and satisfied, whether that's attention from someone else or that candy bar or those new shoes, that uh, endorphin type of a rush, it gets ever increasingly difficult to create that in our lives. And so that's why children right now are stepping things up. That is one end of it. Another end is we as parents have to work so hard not only in the house taking care of our kids, but most everybody has to work outside of the home too. And so we have this guilt that we're not giving them everything that they really need. And it's through that guilt that children, that we give the children um, too much power over their own power. They don't have the same system of, of guidelines because we as parents feel so badly at not being able to give them more. And so when kids are given too much, um, they learn their self-control and their, their self-discipline via us mm. as right. parents. Um, is any of the stuff that we're saying make sense, Deborah? It, it makes a lot of sense because, well, both of our children are adopted. Mm -hmm. So I guess we went a little overboard. Mm -hmm. You know, but they were very young when we adopted them. Yeah. So we went overboard on getting them things because they didn't have anything when they were born. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, Okay, I, let me just ask. I would say. Yeah. Uh, just, Debbie, what would you do to get the child to value their own attention? Because it's my opinion that that's the center of this whole thing. I, I don't feel that that's the, I, I believe know, that that's the real thing. I know, I'm just saying that's my opinion, yeah. but it's uh, I don't, just, I don't feel in this what, case. Would, what would you well, think? Well, I, I think the thing is, is that her brother went to a different school this year, because he's in the Gifted and Talented program. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's he's going probably. to a different school, and he's in third grade. So I think she maybe feels that he left her. Because it, it started this year mm -hmm. in school, mm -hmm. and this is the first year she hadn't had her brother at school. So I, I, I don't know. Yeah. So she wants more attention, yes? We agree with that? We agree. Okay. And why would she want more attention? And well, I'm saying it's because she doesn't value her own attention. The, you have your own attention, then the brother's attention would be gravy on top of it. But if you really, truly valued yourself, 
it wouldn't make any difference what was going on. It would be barely noticeable what was going on because your attention um, is penultimate. Uh, right now, you're paying attention to where you're paying attention. There's no question about that. It doesn't matter if you're watching me or, or reading or whatever it is that you're doing. It is 100% of your day is your attention. But we've created this odd phenomenon where you don't recognize your attention as being worth anything. Okay. Well, well, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree that it, it boils down to um, being loved, and, and, but it's feeling safe as well. Yeah. And kids in general are afraid of being left or abandoned or, or not being good enough. And when a child feels, because there are comparisons that go on in school because grades and everything, Correct. that could be the fear of being left behind. So if we were to look at a way to, to handle this, number one is to not feel guilty because our guilt or feeling sorry then communicates something with our words. So if we're feeling like, oh, there's nothing I can do for her, she might be, or I, I failed um, because she's experiencing this, I'm not being a good enough mother, that guilt might be really telling her, well, there's something for me to be upset about. Okay. Well, yeah, naturally, that's how the child is being steered. I would like to put in the idea of, um, I mean, if it's first person, I'm, I'm happy the vast majority of the time because I'm paying attention to me and what I'm doing. That's interesting to me. Me, I'm that is a very to good thing to, to, for us to learn, for yeah, sure. For I agree kids, with that. As soon as we get a generation where so, the average child knows that their attention is what counts. Well, what would be a good way for her to well, teach her Well, that was what that. I was asking Debbie if she had. So otherwise, here's the example I normally teach this with. Okay, so the child has a bunch of action figures. They might be Barbies. They might be Transformers. Okay. But the child is there in this total world of their own attention. Total. They, they are writing um, graphic novels. They are composing plots that writers would pay good money for. Mm -hmm. uh, they have this entire thing acted out, and then the phone rings. And then the child sees that the parent is talking on the phone. Suddenly, their attention is worth nothing. It's the parent has got their attention placed on the phone, and the child feels left out because mommy or daddy's talking on the phone. So they run over to mommy or daddy and say, uh, parental unit, pay attention to me. And the parental unit goes, I've told you not to do it when I'm on the phone. And the, the kid goes, well, my God, that was a lot of attention. Negative, but still, it was a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy, I've just had an attention fix. But the thing was, he wasn't deficit until he noticed that the adult's attention was going elsewhere. And so that's the whole thing. How do you get that? Now, buy them another action figure. That'll only work till they're in their teens. Then you have to get them a motorcycle or whatever the well, we female are, equivalent is. We are genetically coded to require attention as children. And if we don't get it, we have chemical reactions that go off that create an emotion mm -hmm. that make us seek it because that's how we survive. That's how we are alive. Well, that's why the society bottom runs line, on guilt right there. Bottom line, all kids, uh, when they're upset... Uh, well, I know it just with tapping with children. Mm -hmm. Children's world is so much in that black and white. Either I'm a good kid or I'm a mm -hmm. bad kid. Mm -hmm. And they feel good kid gets them love, bad kid removes them from love. And so. And bad it, kid gets them attention. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, well, yes, I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying. I'm talking about an emotional level yeah, in a different yeah. way. And it can be very, very scary um, mm. in that way when mm. they personally look at them as themselves as a bad kid. So, well, see, I don't have tracking like that in my thinking. I'll have to go look for that. Yeah, I mean, I always, when, when I have I'm a just talking kids in general. I'm not talking about uh, you or this. Any I don't, no, I'm just saying I don't remember being a child looking. Well, I remember sure. being a child I mean, it's resisting like you, having attention paid to me. Well, I, I think ultimately either we're getting approval. Oh, that was good. I'm going to buy you oh, an ice you cream. Go. Come okay. here, baby. Yeah. That yeah. what a good boy. Or mm-hmm. we have bad bad boy, look what you did, you spilled this. Right. So everything really, that approval, like right now, if, if somebody on the street disapproved of me, I'm not going to have ice cream withheld from myself. And if somebody approves of me over across the street, nobody's going to bring me some kind of dollar under you know, my the, pillow. The ice cream cartels are responsible as much, for that. You know. Yes, as much. Now, Deborah, were you going to say something? Well, I was just going to say, you know, I, I make sure that when I you have to discipline her at home, I tell her, I said, look, I love you unconditionally. I love you more than anything. I might not like what you're doing right now. Mm-hmm. That's very but good. I still love you. That's perfect. Because you know, I think she was like kind of saying that how she might have thought that because her brother doesn't get in trouble, and she does, that I loved him more. And I said, no, 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 that's impossible. Well, you know, you, you're bringing up so many good points. I'm very happy that you called because... That good-bad thing, that categorization when we're younger, and we don't always outgrow it either, we, in every unit of people, if there's a group of people anywhere, there are certain roles that everybody takes. Mm -hmm. And if one kid has taken the good role, then the other kid unconsciously may be seeking to take the other role that's left, which is the bad kid. Um, like I've told people before, every time you create a, an angel or a saint, you're creating a demon. It's like a distillation. Right. And so more and more, as, as you put um, maybe within her own range of good and bad behaviors or something, uh, I think we ought to do a whole show on this because both Neville and I have some, uh, a lot of information on this just because children really are adults that haven't gotten finished baking it all on the plate yet. It's like putting a plate in the dishwasher. We've met some adults that are very half-baked. Well, I know, so I mean, (laughs) if if we can heal as adults from this, we can certainly heal while we're children. It's very easy to do then comparatively. And so I would say not let her identify with that role would be the biggest thing. Because uh, I remember um, being in a group of people and taking on the clown role this time, and then this other group of people where everybody doesn't know what to do, you take on the leader role, and tell her that the bad kid, good kid, that these are not parts that you have to play. I I have to think about it on how to actually tell her that. Yeah, there's a whole other aspect. Oh, um, uh, naturally, we would prevent our small child from running out in the street until they can get to the point where they would know whether or not it was okay to step into the street. Uh, And so at the moment where we want to remove all the guilt manipulation we've installed for the child's own good, that moment doesn't happen in our society. The guilt stuff continues on and on uh, well after the child has the cognitive ability to know whether or not to cross the street and for that matter how to get a PhD in physics. But whatever that might be that the child does, there is no moment uh, the Hebraic tradition of the Bach Misfa 
has to do with uh, saying, now you are an adult. But we as a society in general don't say to the kid around that age, now you're an adult, you can take care of yourself. I don't have to worry um, as though I would about your crossing the street, et cetera, et cetera. So maybe we could have uh, 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 rites of passage well, for all human beings. I've said that, yes. Well, yeah, I agree. And, and I'm, yeah. I agree. Um, yeah, I, like a, um, a Robert Fulgham. I'm just saying, yes, I, I yeah, agree. Yeah, I've, I've yeah, said that many yeah. times. Uh, something else that was in my mind here is before we get off this call and then we can go in that um, becoming adult, uh, I, I visualize it as handing the game ball to my kids um, when they were 18, but still being there. The thing about kids is there's such a finite measurement of their value. It's usually um, an A on a test or learning their math times tables or their alphabet. When we get older, we have all kinds of different open areas to excel in, like art and music or, th or writing or um, poetry. There's a lot of different areas. So one thing you could do with her is encourage her to find her areas and say that, well, in school there are these measurements, but you're much more than this. Um, and, and don't identify with just what's being measured in, in the classroom. Yeah, she thing. was really upset because she got two ends on a report card, and I said, "Hey, it's just something that we can work on." You know? Yeah, you, you well, don't have to be perfect. Yeah, and and showing some kids really do. A lot of kids learn very differently. It's very associatively and intuitively, and some kids are very linearly. Depending on what the subject is, different learners get better grades in different areas. Mm -hmm. And so let's find yours because every single person is brilliant. Uh, when I was younger, I used to say, everybody has the same amount of intelligence. How are you acting out yours? A homeless person would be much smarter than me in finding food for the evening than I would be out on the street. So we all have the same amount. Where are you spending yours? Might be a, a fun game for her to play. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for calling. Yeah. As I've said many times on the advanced planet, there is, in the advanced civilization, there is a conscious removal of the childhood stuff where they were manipulated by guilt so that the adult can go on, which yeah, we have no that. equivalent to here on this planet. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yep. oh, releasing the judgmental mind, which is a very good thing to do, in that the judgmental mind always ends up getting us embarrassed. Uh, and we enter into the habit of being embarrassed by our judgment, which really isn't going to work because we really do have to have a certain amount of judgment in order to function, but not to be judgmental mm -hmm. of others. As soon as whatever it is we don't like about anyone else, and this is a very telling point, whatever it is you are really upset with that other human being, that's where you're upset with you. Exactly. 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. And yet it looks like the other person, but it's really us. So if we are in no way upset with ourselves, then we cannot really be upset with anybody else. And whatever it is that they were doing that would be upsetting is more than passing humorous to watch. It's like being on a planet of drunken howler apes. It's just really nonstop comedy. From the eighth dimension. Once you get to the point that you're not judgmental about it, and you can do that by... First of all, build a circuit in your mind that says, okay, that person is, is swinging from the chandelier, a drunk and upsetting everything and everyone. 
I am okay with that. I allow that. I accept that. That's fine. It's, you cannot argue with what is. Now, after you can get to the point where you have habituated uh, the reflex, instead of changing your body chemistry to the anger chemistry, it changes it to accepting that, I accept it. Then the next thing, phenomenon you may observe, is that you had busily been assigning value to that person swinging on the <clears throat> chandelier, and you were assigning a very upsetting, very anger-making value to whatever that was, but that you could have assigned any value to Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Once you accept it, then you recognize that you could assign any value, and you could assign fun to virtually everything. Yeah. And that... Now, once well, you can get to the point where you are assigning value to things and recognizing that you're doing it, then you can recognize yourself as the true creator because that's what this whole thing has always been about. The judgmental mind is a very small mind. Right. And well, so just to finish the idea that once you recognize that you can assign value to it, then you can be absolutely enthusiastic about it because you have recognized your sovereignty. So go ahead. That's well, I was just going to comment that uh, even in, back in the 60s, uh, 70s, the Seth material, Jane yeah. Roberts, mm -hmm. was talking about all events being neutral, and yeah. we're the ones that place a value on them. Right. And that therein lies the secret to happiness. Uh -huh. But the critical mind, and I feel that the origin of the critical mind, or guilt in certain religions, and those religions probably mm -hmm. know what I'm talking about, um, that no, the critical don't. mind was installed within us to be a remote control jailer to us. Mm -hmm. The critical mind is a remote program installed to be a remote jailer. Yeah. So we police ourselves by beating ourselves up. And guess what happens when we sit and beat ourselves up? Not only do we spend our whole adulthood in therapy attempting to be happy, but it stops you from doing anything else. Mm -hmm. I remember one time I became conscious of how much I criticized myself. And I think we all do it a whole lot, even if you don't think you do. It's, it's in the back of your mind. And, and I think also perhaps uh, some of uh, the, the mental um, conditions that people get is really a suppression of the part that keeps that critical voice in check. And when people hear voices, it's really that critical mind talking. Mm -hmm. And that we can over, override that at any point in time. But guilt keeps the critical mind to us because sometimes we are misled into thinking that if we do not have the critical mind, that Everything we will, will run amok and it will be chaotic and that mm. the critical mind is the only thing keeping us from harming each other. But I really feel that is not the case. It's the critical mind that perpetuates the guilt, and the guilt perpetuates it. And it keeps us from living our life exactly. in a happy way, and which furthers love. And we live in the all-guilt-all-the-time society where 90% of your day is guilt reaction to things. Once when I was out in California, I saw a critical mime. He was always miming cigarettes and always had a disgusted look on his Oh, I, I think they all look he, like he that, to be honest. Mimed, he eventually mimed suicide. It was really tragic. No, yeah. I, I sleep-darted him, Neville. That's yeah. why he wasn't talking. I held his breath till his makeup turned blue, which really took a while. Well, you know, I think the sleep-dart idea might be, might be a good way to um, affect world peace. Am I allowed to wear a pith helmet when I'm out? I, ha I have a few people Here's that... The duck. Okay, next time your boss is really getting on your nerves, just 
fantasize about sleep darting them right in mid-sentence. And then they're fine. You, you wake them up and give them coffee. And Okay, it's so, duck time. Yeah. Critical mimes with sleepdarts.com. <laughs> here it comes. Here come the duck. Here come the duck. You come here. Okay, I got synthesis. Th- synthesis. Synthesis. Which is? That's a third of a trinity. Two things that acknowledge their independence, yet are not afraid to blend with something else. Mm-hmm. Creating a third, there's, entirely different, wondrous thing. And also there's a thesis, antithesis, I know. and synthesis. I know. That's part of a trinity. And I got inspiration, which comes from uh, the word inspire, which comes from spirit. Spirit. And what did you get? Inspiration, inspiration, which means there is a spirit in it from the etymology of the word. And so the spirit in it, so the spirit mm. in it is oh. always a happy spirit, regardless of anything else about it. Wonderful. Well, perspiration is moisture or emotion going out. Inspiration is emotion going in and then coming out. Right. We can put out a hand cream by that name. Dot mm-hmm. com. A hand cream by that name, dot com. Mm-hmm. That makes sense so to me. So I would say identify the critical voice within your head and just love it away. Don't yeah. resist it. Don't dislike it. Don't be angry with it. But just love it away and just know what it is. See what it is. Yes, critical mind, I know you're here because you love me and you think you are preventing me from coloring on the walls and chewing gum in class and uh, anything else I could get caught at. So you are being the jailer in my head to prevent me from doing something that will get me into more severe trouble. And start making friends with your inner critic and let it know that it doesn't have to do that anymore and it will then become a resource for you to help you be creative and help you really live your life largely. I'd love to hear what people would think about the idea of uh, a way to raise a child where they... um, value their own attention more than they value the attention of others. I think that's wonderful. And the reason earlier, I'm glad you brought that up again, because I I, I had a visceral response when you said just wanting attention, because I feel we miss so many healing opportunities because someone just wants attention. Oh, they're just faking suicide or talking because they just want attention. And it's so two-dimensional. Well, if they want attention, why? What can we do to help the attention? Well, That's where is. we can get productive. Thought so I just creates. wanted to clear Let that up. Let me just up. do that. Thought creates, and where you place your attention grows. So people are habitually tricking us into placing our attention on whatever drama they want so that they can grow the drama with our assistance. But we choose where we place our attention so somebody can be doing whatever drama they want, and you just pay no attention to it, and it has no effect on you. Well, You pay any attention, and it starts to take your life force. Well, that's true. Okay. Yeah. Well, I feel that we teach children. Mother cats will take kittens to the litter box and teach them how to use that. We, and, and usually as mothers, although men are now getting more and more involved, which I think is magnificent, yeah. but we teach children how to value their own attention and how to love themselves by the way we conduct ourselves, number one, how we love ourselves, and when we're too much of a martyr, we teach kids not to respect that and to, then to grow well, up to become martyrs, up, yeah. but, but children deserve attention. They aren't finished baking yet. And they're not set. They're not a complete product. 
and their brain hasn't fully developed. There are places where their brain develops, and they, they are conditioned to want attention. So just willingly give it, and they won't have to fight for it. We have a call. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hello. You? Hi. Hi. What Hi. can we do for you? Can you hear me? This is Catherine. Hi, Catherine. Catherine. Hi. Yeah, we can hear you. Hi. Hi. Thank you. I'm enjoying your show this evening. Thanks so much. Oh, thank uh -huh. you. Just wanted to see if I could get a quick reading. Oh, I'd be most happy to. Great. Thanks. We're talking. I'll hang up now. Okay. Thank you. We're talking about my favorite topic, children. I didn't even get my cards out. I tell you, I just love kids. I know. I've taught my kids how to use a kitty litter box. And, you know, the next thing <laughs> oh they wanted... Oh, my gosh. They wanted cats was the next thing that happened. <laughs> but I could only get them kittens because they were small. Mm -hmm. so. Okay. Well, the first card, moment to moment, one thing that that card really does say is what's supposed to be on our path. And you even had sparkly stuff come out of that. Did, was that my imagination? <laughs> okay. Um, one thing that that card reminds us of is all we really have to do is just see ourselves large, walking in this larger construct on the path to life and the right rock or the right stone for us to step on mm. comes up next. And I feel like you've really had that going and then something pretty profound happened in your life that may have looked at the time like, some, like lightning hitting you, but what it did was help you to turn inward. Some of our most wonderful sacred moments are when something outside says, hey, don't get all wrapped up in me because I'm only the projection here. Something's going to happen that's going to turn you back inward so you can find the real infinity which exists within. This is about sadness clearing and about learning how to love yourself. And this is talking about not postponing something. Just because we have those experiences that might be uh, painful don't let that stop you from really taking that step out there. And I, I would look at things that might be holding you back from really stepping out there into what you would love to have and what you'd like to have in your life. Well, moment well, to you. moment reminded me of the Zen proverb, leap in the net will appear. Well, I prefer a leap and your wings will grow. But still, mm -hmm. yeah, interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, we have our next caller. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hi, it's Sandy. Sandy. Oh, hey, Sandy. Hi. Hey, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Good, good. Uh, Phil watched the first half of the show and then he fell asleep. Oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> Where did we lose him? Uh, well, he needed to sleep, believe yeah. me. Um, anyways, we're moving next week. Yeah. Oh. We found a gr great place. Oh, and, excellent. Uh, well, two things. I just wanted to see how this new place was going to turn out and also... Um, they found something irregular in a blood test of mine, and I had to go in and uh, uh, possible another autoimmune disease. Uh. Okay. Uh, one thing about that, um, maybe we can talk next time we see each other. Um, mm -hmm. I feel so much that things are really uh, out of balance chemically just because of what you've been through mm -hmm. long-term and recently, and that that feels like it's going to right itself. On that, that would level. be good. I and, don't want any um, more medications. Yeah, I think I think that's going to write itself, and there might be some other ideas that I could come up with the, there. Okay, and <laughs> look at this, uh, the pregnant lady getting ready to <laughs> no, give birth. No, please, <laughs> Sandy, you Not are that. pregnant. That's what's going Not on with your blood work. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and uh, uh, and actually, you're going to be going to labor tonight. So you better. Okay. <laughs> 
Well, this is saying you've been so patient, waiting for some wonderful things to come uh, come through, and the other place was pushing you out for a reason because it's time to get get out of what that old energy was. I don't know that place where you were. It even now looking in on it, it just it was almost like I, I worked at this job one time and. They kept doing things one after another. My friend says, it's like an Amityville horror where the walls are saying, get out, get out, time to get out. So I think it was time for you to really move on. Oh, look, and healing. Because whatever that was, I don't feel was good for either you or Phil with the electrical stuff that was going on in that house. Yeah, I remember that. So look at this. I think you both are going to start feeling a lot better now. So um, are you in Reston? Uh, no, actually we're staying in uh, Manassas. Okay, well, I, great. Well, um, for several reasons, but uh, I still believe that I'm going to make my way out to Reston. Not this year, maybe. Mm -hmm. uh, we're leasing for two years. Okay. Well, I think that's wonderful because what you're really looking for is the rest. So mm -hmm. that's a good place. Well, thank you. Good for thank Tell you. Phil hi. Yeah. I can't wait to see you guys. Will do. Thank I you. Think, uh, bye -bye. A lot of the bye -bye. autoimmune that's been coming up so prevalently. I think I bet you could trace this. Uh, once we started to genetically modify our food, oh yes, that's the uh, auto that's been yeah, yeah that's been that's true. Been. Um, I've seen research. Yeah. Uh, one more call. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Yes, my name is Brian. Hi, Brian. Brian. Hi. Hi. How are you? Great. How are you? Better. Uh, wonderful. Uh, I would like a reading about a long-term relationship that I have. Okay. Okay. Be most happy to pull some cards. You know, it was funny, one of the cards in the middle, it wouldn't come out of the deck, which is always a message. So um, maybe something that's being held on to, let's see what happens. Well, this card, and this is in the, in the past, like the energies that you're coming from. Osho says the whole Western world is a schizophrenic world because wherever we are, wherever we think one thing, uh, it's like um, we're in the house resting on the couch, we're thinking about mowing the lawn, we go out mm -hmm. and mow the lawn, we think about resting on the couch and that there's a bridge there of uh, um, this guy is bridging that communication. And so perhaps both of you came from different worlds, so to speak. And sometimes it takes being in a completely different space with a different person to really get to know ourselves. So I, I feel that that's working in your favor. And a lot of the lessons that you came here to explore to, together is getting to know who you really are through the mirror and the um, imagery of the other person. So, uh, and I, we got one more card here, the, uh, aware, uh, the intensity. I feel that there, that there are times when you may feel like there's a chasm and that other times it's like, oh, my, my, my best friend and there's so much that you're here to learn on your path and that the little bumps in the road that you may have experienced lately, uh, they're just little bumps in the road and know that you can get past them very easily, um, always following your heart. But it almost feels like um, a, a connection of two different nationalities, so it might be past lives I'm seeing. Okay, That's I know right. we're being rushed, and so I had to talk quick. So uh, come join us at Ruby Tuesdays if you're out and about here in the uh, Northern Virginia area. This is the very latest of the waveform generators, which is um, a really nice piece. Uh, it's. Um, I've done three spiraled ones, but this one just cooks, and it's got uh, an intensity, speaking of the card, of the circuit between the tip, um, which to me is visible 
And it's 100% copper, which makes it interesting. Life by copper instead of that yeah. death by chocolate. And we'll be doing our um, um, Mary's show and my show next Friday, I believe. Oh, I don't know. I have not scheduled it. Well, we'll I'll schedule I'll the next Join one. the mailing list if people yeah, would like to if know. If you would like to follow our, uh, the individual shows. And I'm going over the new book, uh, Chapter at a Time, you know, one mm -hmm. chapter per show. On his personal and show. And this will be the third. It's our joy and honor to take you to the door. Protocols. And your choice to go through it. Thank you.